I'm so sorry I almost shot you. I probably wouldn't have. Hey, hey, oh, shh. Oh. I totally get it. Sorry I let you get attacked by a werewolf and then into the world. Oh. You were right. Humanity. It's time to give someone else a chance. I think this one is interesting. Originally, Godzilla what was- number? Do it right. <laughs> Do it. Today's Godzilla. This week's Godzilla fact is Godzilla fact number 45. Originally, Godzilla was going to be an octopus, but then it was changed to being a lizard, but he was going to have like a mushroom shaped head, like a mushroom cloud from an atomic bomb. But then after the success of the 1953 film The Beast from 20,000 Fathoms, which was apparently a dinosaur, they decided to just make him a dinosaur. Isn't one of the monsters that he fights like a mushroom-headed dude? No. What's the one that we watched up in uh, Hawking Hills? Orc Orga. That one. Doesn't he kind of look like that? I mean, he looks more like a whale or a tortoise like a sea turtle than mm. a mushroom because he's supposed to be like orca orga i did not get that at all he does not look like an orca no but he doesn't look like a mushroom <laughs> that was this week's godzilla fact Hey there, ancient ones, weird gas station owners, zombie families, and caged monsters. Welcome to another episode of What Happens in the Crypt. Today, we are talking about the 2011 movie, The Cabin in the Woods. This movie was the directorial debut for Drew Goddard, who is a writer on Buffy, Lost, Cloverfield, and The Martian. And Joss Whedon and Drew Goddard wrote the script in apparently three days. Mm-hmm. Apparently they had been on like a, uh, both of them were working on movies that had been scrapped and then they were mad about it. So they were like, we, let's just so make something. they destroyed something. the world. <laughs> yeah. They're like, let's just write something that can actually please get made. I just can't believe I didn't know that this was Joss Whedon because all of the dialogue is so Buffy, like, S. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I didn't know that it was Joss Whedon until we started talking about this one, but... Mm -hmm. So many things that um, the main girl says, it's like, oh my god, Buffy would say that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> a synopsis for this one. Five friends go for a break at a remote cabin where they get more than they bargained for, discovering the truth behind the cabin in the woods. Dun, dun, dun. All right, are you ready for some taglines? I'm always ready for some taglines, I'm just going to read them, because okay. you don't know about them. Okay. <laughs> They're actually really funny. If you hear a strange sound outside, have sex. <laughs> wasn't ready for the head sex part if an old man warns you not to go there make fun of him these are all the tropes 
quaint abandoned property. Sold. <laughs> if the basement door swings open, go down there. <laughs> that first one made me laugh, though. If you have hear sex. a strange sound outside, have sex. She's still alive. How can the ritual be complete? The virgin's death is optional as long as it's last. Main thing is that she, you know, suffers. That she did. It's so strange. I'm actually rooting for this girl. She's got so much heart. You think of all the pain and the... Tequila is my lady! Trigger warnings for this movie include... I mean, definitely gore. Mm -hmm. Like... There's some disturbing imagery, definitely. Mm -hmm. um, the opening of this movie was apparently a deliberate attempt by Drew Goddard and Joss Whedon to confuse the audience and make you think that you walked into the wrong movie. Which is definitely effective. I remember seeing this in theaters and feeling that way. But also because the two main guys are such famous actors. Mm -hmm. So it's like they're always in like uh, dramas yeah. <laughs> and stuff. So like seeing them was really confusing. Because I know the guy with the glasses, I can't remember his name because I'm terrible with names. But he, I remember, he's the dad in Six Feet right. Under. Mm -hmm. So that's immediately what I think of. Mm -hmm. And it's sad. Yeah. <laughs> Not horror. <laughs> it's like, oh no. Uh-huh. <laughs> And apparently, one of the reasons behind this was Drew Goddard grew up in Los Alamos, New Mexico, which was a city full of scientists, and um, uh, like the whole town worked. It was one of those towns where everybody worked for the same company, and they were actually working on nuclear weapons. So it was a bunch of like boring suburban, like government white, workers, government families. Yeah. Who are actually going to, like, prepare to destroy the world, maybe. Mm -hmm. According to Joss Whedon, the role of the director, who is played by Sigourney Weaver, was always intended to be someone really famous from horror movies. And initially, they really wanted Jamie Lee Curtis. I don't actually know why that didn't follow through. She must have not been available or yeah. didn't want to do the part. But I feel like she would have been a little too soft. I can't imagine her no, pulling off, like, the can. harshness she of definitely can. Sigourney Weaver. She um, can. She's not as harsh as Sigourney yeah. Weaver, but she definitely could do it. And apparently Sigourney Weaver was excited about the part because she was finally in a move, movie with a werewolf. Oh, yeah, because she gets attacked by mm -hmm. the werewolf at the end. But, yeah, she does a great job. Yeah. Because also she's, like, she's not, like, was never portrayed as, like, the final girl. She's from Alien and Aliens, where she's badass uh -huh. getting into a fist fight with a giant alien queen mm -hmm. <laughs> this was actually one of chris hemsworth's uh like op opening roles first move it wasn't his first movie but he wasn't huge yet mm -hmm. so although this movie came out later this was shot before red dawn before thor and it was during production of this movie that a lot of the dailies and Rough edits were seen um, by a lot of higher-ups in Hollywood. And there's the scene where he is instructing them, like, what to do and how he's going to jump the ravine. Mm -hmm. And it's in that scene that people saw his acting and immediately offered him roles. Yeah. Just from that one scene. And he was offered... Uh, yeah, on the basis of that performance, they signed him for Red Dawn, and then two days later, they chose him to be Thor. Thor. So crazy. Just takes, apparently, 
one scene to do it. Well, I mean, that is like it's a good acting scene, I guess. It's really dramatic. Yeah, it is. It's very dramatic. And he's like the leader now, which I guess I actually saw Red Dawn. Uh, they actually. What sh- is that? That's the. Uh, it's the movie where like, uh, is it Korea or China? I can't remember off the top of my head. One of those countries, or both of those countries, I don't remember, but is invading the United States. So like, uh, like troops, enemy troops get dropped into oh, their so town. Oh, so it's an army movie. Yeah. Okay, that's why I have I, not seen it. I actually only saw that movie because they shot part of it, a lot of it in Michigan. And one of the scenes where a plane crashes was on my teacher's lawn. So Weird. he let us go see it. Like we saw a giant plane. Mm-hmm. Like it was like, you know, it's a lot of CG, but one of the, like the, the cockpit, like shell was practical and on his lawn. Weird. Yeah. So that was cool to see. Uh, but yeah, one of the, most people don't know that this is what like, kickstarted his career because cabin in the woods was actually shot like two years earlier or three years earlier mm-hmm. it was shot in 2008 or 9 but mgm uh actually was they went bankrupt they went, or something they did yeah. they went bankrupt so they couldn't release the movie mm-hmm. right away and they actually had to shelve it for a little while imagine if this movie never came out that, that would have been <laughs> i know that would have been such a bummer and with like it, it being like chris hemsworth too mm-hmm. that would be crazy yeah then if that would have been nuts. Mm-hmm. So this is actually before both those movies. This is one of the funnier things that we found out. So the guy who plays Marty is the only one who doesn't jump into the lake. He doesn't take his clothes off. Who's which, like, he's would, the stoner yeah, guy? Yeah, which seems fitting for his character. He's not like gonna jump in the water. <laughs> but apparently, this decision was made because he's jacked, and apparently. <laughs> Here, we're going to post this yeah. picture of him. He is actually, like, cut. He's... <laughs> so you're saving that picture I'm right sa- now? <laughs> I'm saving it for later. <laughs> you fucking nerd. Because we're going to post it, but also so I have it. But look at him. Yeah. Like, he doesn't look like typical stoner dude. He seems so skinny in that I movie, know. too, but They he's said not... they made him wear clothes that were one to two sizes too big. Yeah. So, like, they have him in all, like extra large or extra extra larges so that you can't tell and they keep him in like that sweatshirt the he whole wears time a hoodie the whole time so you can't actually see how much like i'm just gonna keep looking at pictures of him i guess speaking of marty the actual like coffee mug bong that he uses was a they actually made that and it cost five thousand dollars <laughs> a prototypes ain't cheap it just seems insane they needed it they wanted it to work because mm-hmm. doesn't he use it as a weapon later no, I think it's only in that one shot. Is it really only in that one shot? He comes up driving, smoking out of it, and then yeah, he pops close. it down. Huh. Yeah. As far as locations for the movie, the underground complex, elevators, and control rooms were all sets. But for several of the wide shots, they actually used the British Columbia Institute of Technologies Aerospace. That sounds like exactly what that place is called. Yeah, it actually does. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, I, I bet they don't sell a lot of t-shirts with that name. No. Oh, yeah. B-C-I-T-A. <laughs> mm-hmm. Rolls right off the tongue. In regards to the building, production designer Martin Wist had this to say. It's a very high-tech industrial and brand new building, and it, it had never been shot before. 
It had never been shot in before. He continued that he wanted the elevators to be without controls, to almost feel like a glamorized freight elevator. The lobby, he wanted to look slightly utilitarian, contemporary, and institutional, sharp, and almost characterless, end quote. Did he just insult a building? Or was that a <laughs> It's like a backwards compliment. Backhanded? Or backwards. Okay. I always say backwards. You don't have to say backhanded, do you? That's what I say. I say backwards. Now, I don't know the location of the cabin, but one thing about the cabin is that it is an obvious reference to Evil Dead, and we just got to talk about that for a second. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of Evil Dead references. Mm -hmm. I, w I mean, I would say the basic premise of mm -hmm. the movie is Evil is Dead. Evil Dead. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, the basement door opening, and then even on the board, there's uh, molesting trees. Oh, is it molesting? Oh, yeah. so Pervert the trees on the board angry, of monsters. Angry molesting trees. Yeah, and there's deadites on there as well. Yes, and they find the book insert. There's Latin in the book. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And, the, the, like, even the deer, although it doesn't come to life in mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> one of my favorite scenes of any movie. Mm -hmm. But Ugh, I love Evil Dead. I know, me too. We should watch it again. Bruce Campbell's going to be on Joe Bob this week. Well, we'll be watching that. Mm -hmm. I really want to. Yeah. Oh, one thing about that scene, though, is remember when she's kissing the... Mm -hmm. Is it a wolf's It's head? a wolf. <laughs> Not a deer. It's a wolf. Mm -hmm. When she's kissing the wolf, uh, but apparently to make the scene more tolerable, they put powdered sugar on the wolf's I tongue. I think that's gross. <laughs> that well, would be worse. No, it wouldn't. No, like having silicone or latex in your mouth is blech. but like sugary latex is better i i i would imagine any flavor is better than pure glue latex <laughs> okay i guess i thought that was very off-putting other inspirations this movie has can be seen on the monitors throughout like the office building and you'll see like bits of other rituals failing right so, like the other countries yeah. that are also trying to like appease the gods yeah and of course none of them can get it but the uh kyoto ritual is a reference to ringu or the ring uh buenos aires ritual is a reference to king kong uh and then there's the stockholm ritual that is a reference to john carpenter's the thing and then it shows a Madrid reference uh, that appears to show Dracula. I definitely want to look at those closer next time we watch. Because the only one that immediately comes to my mind is the one for the ring. Because at that one, they show, like, full screen. Yeah, but I knew I saw the thing in there. Mm -hmm. um, but the other ones, I didn't quite get it. There's so much in this movie that yeah. you need to, like, freeze frame. Like, when it mm -hmm. shows all the monsters. Right. Or, there's always a lot going on. Mm -hmm. I even read one thing that when all the monsters get released in the top right or top left of the screen, saw that too, you the can purple see a people purple eater. people eater. I was like, I would never notice a purple people eater, but okay. I'm sure it's there, internet. Some of, the, some of my favorite possibilities on the board were dismemberment goblins, um, the reanimated, uh, or some of the funnier ones. Uh, I think sexy witches. Sexy witches. That was so oddly specific. <laughs> Not just witches. Sexy witches. Sexy witches. And one that I actually looked up because I was like, what the hell does that mean was Kevin. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So it apparently is a reference to Elijah Wood's character in Sin City, mm-hmm. which I've never seen. I have, but I remember distinctly not liking it. I've never seen it. But I know, I, so I looked up who his character was, and it was a uh, cannibal serial killer. Mm-hmm. So, gross. As far as creating the monsters went, most of them were CG, but a good number of them were done practically. And the actual redneck family was practical. Yeah, it's more so the scene where they're down below. Every, everyone's out. <laughs> yeah, then uh, most of those were CG. Imagine how long it would take to do all those makeups yeah. practically. Also, things like the giant snake. You, not gonna, you could, but mm-hmm. unless you're Guillermo del Toro or some shit, it ain't happening. Yeah. But the project was headed by AFX studio David Leroy Anderson. David Leroy Anderson. Okay, three mm-hmm. three names. All right. But apparently 60 people were recruited to do this task, and they created around 60 different types of monsters, which is so many. Mm-hmm. It would take you so long. Yeah. The producers told them that they could commence their work on December 15th, which was actually two weeks earlier uh, of the original date of January 1st. But they were only given until March 9th to complete all their work, which is not enough time. Yeah. That is a crazy. Lot of stuff to do. Anderson later joked, and here's a quote from him. He said, uh, we had nearly 70 people at peak, but in effect, we had 140 people because everybody had at least two jobs. It was crazy, but people had an incredible, but people had an incredible time. None of us are ever going to forget it, and we're never all going to be in the same room again. Yeah, it's like a crazy amount of work, but that would be fun that Mm -hmm. you're just designing monsters. Yeah, it would be cool. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's a project, well, like we've joked before, where there's the intern duty where you're just doing all the work nobody else wants to do. But with a project like this, everybody would be making monsters. Yeah. So it'd be pretty fun. Mm-hmm. So speaking of the practical effects in this movie, legendary final girl Heather Lagenkamp, Nancy from A Nightmare on Elm Street, her and her husband, who is David Leroy Anderson, own an FX company called AFX Studio, and she actually worked on this movie, which I thought was cool. And I tried to look who this was, but he, David Leroy Anderson, played the floating head monster in the movie. What is the floating head monster? I don't know. I think it's a reference to Doom. I don't get that reference. video game. Okay. But anyways, I thought that was kind of funny that he's, A, that she worked on it and is like another horror icon, final girl legend, and that he was in it. So for the merman, (laughs) which is one of the best scenes, I think, debatably. Mm -hmm. And it's also another practical scene. Mm -hmm. The scene of him feeding on a victim and releasing the blood um, was done by hooking him up to a large container of fake blood, and the shot had to be limited to one take because the set would be obviously covered in the blood afterwards. And they said they grabbed the biggest container they could find. (laughs) Yeah. And the director also joked that the blood shot out for nine minutes, but only the last ten seconds of the shot was used. (laughs) In the basement where they ultimately end up finding the diary to summon the redneck zombie family, there was actually one item created for all of the monsters. So all 60 monsters. You know what I just thought of, too? This is pretty much like a face-off episode. What do you mean? Here's this object. Oh, here's this object. Create the monster that's summoned by it. Yeah. 
we're watching too much Face Off. We've been watching a lot of Face Off. Maya Masser is the actress that played, um, she's uh, credited as Mother Buckner, <laughs> the mom of the redneck family, said that it took eight hours to apply her makeup the first time, but then it took between four and six each day after That's that. It? Just four to six hours. Which is crazy because like the Buckner family is not even in it very much. I would say they have like more screen time than a lot of the monsters though yeah but it's crazy just to think that you'd have to sit for eight hours for uh, the yeah. one scene that you're in she's in it a couple times they're all in it a couple yeah, times yeah you, you get what i'm saying uh-huh. if you've seen this movie you know that the ending is chaos mm-hmm. and apparently making it was even harder drew goddard the director had this to say about shooting it the control room was a nightmare we had 80 screens that needed to be synced in a in a big budget film, you just blue screen all those screens, but we had to have a guy at a computer syncing all of them. I had particular ideas about what I wanted on those screens and the beats in what were happening as we were doing dialogue. So screens are playing, actors are performing dialogue, and we're moving the camera. When it came together, it was the best moment of the shoot. Which is cool, that scene looks great, but mm-hmm. syncing that much shit. Doing the reset on each take would... Oh my goodness. That's also one of the more buffy moments of the movie. Because in that scene, too, that's when Dana pushes the red button to open everything and goes, Let's get this party started. I think Mm -hmm. I literally said, We watched this. Okay, Buffy. Uh huh. I think you did. (laughs) On one of those screens, though, too, there's a part where you can see someone's like holding up signs. Like mm-hmm. a like a sign, and then he gets eaten. <laughs> and I guess the sign actually said, "Help me! I'm in the utility closet. A dragon bat has my scent. I'm Ronald the intern." Because <laughs> I think that's one of the characters. He's like... the guy that like joins the pool, like the betting pool yeah. at the very end. But um, they tried, but they could not make it like readable, legible mm-hmm. I, because I, I of how small that. the screen was. I read that they no matter what they do, it couldn't work. But I think it's kind of hilarious to know after the fact what it says as opposed to reading it at the time. <laughs> A fun little, I guess even nerdier tidbit is that in four of the cubes are Left for Dead Zombies, an old video game that I used to play a lot mm-hmm. of. And there's actually a tank, a witch, a boomer, and a hunter that Valve let them use for the movie and they were actually going to do a a dlc level in the video game where you were playing in the cabin in the woods and then you were gonna go underground into the office and you were gonna fight your way through zombies and stuff and some of the monsters that were in this movie were gonna be in the game but it got scrapped because MG the That's company's such a bankruptcy. Bummer. I know. When I read that, I was like, "That would have been the best level." This movie, like as a video game, would be so fun. I know. So fun. It's such a bummer. They it never should happened. still do it. I know. I wish they could <laughs> go back and do it. I'd play it. The Cabin in the Woods ended up making about sixty-six point five million worldwide, and the budget was thirty million. Apparently. Immediately after one of the very first screenings of the movie, the first question was to Drew Goddard, the director, was, will there be a sequel? And he immediately responded, did you just watch the ending of my movie? (laughs) Right. The world's over, dude. The death count for this one is listed as 69, lol. But um, technically, the world population in 2009 was 6,800,000. 
6.8 billion. I can't do math. Read numbers. 6.8 billion. 6.8 billion. So that's technically the death count. Because <laughs> it's assumed everybody dies. Mm-hmm. Hooray. Yeah, they better not make a sequel for this no, ever. No, they're, they're not. Yeah. Definitely not. For our next episode, we're going to do another classic. It's black and white, right? It's not. It's actually it's in color. It's actually in color. Mm-hmm. I guess I forgot. For some reason, I thought it was black and white. Well, it's not black and white, but still a classic. We're going to be talking about the 1963 Alfred Hitchcock film, The Birds. Yeah, this movie scared the shit out of me when I was a kid. I actually didn't see this until, like, five years ago. Really? Yeah. I saw it when I was, like, six, and it was... Very, very scary. Yeah, it's a bit of, and Chelsea, your sister, still has... Uh... She, I told her we were doing this. She said, I'm not watching it. She and she's afraid fears. of birds because of this movie. I saw it when you were a little too young. Because yeah. it's not... I mean, there's just something about birds attacking you mm-hmm. that is, like, inherently always a little scary. Because they're everywhere. They're everywhere, and if they're flying... What are you going to do, punch them? Mm-hmm. You can't even get them. It's up to them. Yeah. Just swooping down. Because, yeah, like, if a murder of crows is coming, if 50 crows are coming at you. There's nothing you can what do. What are you going to do? Yeah. It, it, something about it, even for the 60s, just makes it feel real. Mm-hmm. Like, this could happen to you. Yeah. Because, yeah, I guess that's the other thing. Is it's not zombies. It's not a mm-hmm. werewolf. It's real birds. I guess that's also why stuff like Cujo is, mm-hmm. like, scary. Like, timeless scary, too. Uh-huh. Jaws. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's going to be an interesting one. And actually, uh, so far, I've looked nothing up, so it's a... I looked see. some stuff up. <laughs> I know some things. I mainly, know no things. Mainly just how many actual birds they used is kind of insane. Well, we'll get into that yeah. and more bird facts. <laughs> You'll have a Godzilla fact. One... And then a lot of bird facts. <laughs> yep. Bird wranglers. Yep.